Welcome to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Now, the name of our program might be a bit unconventional, but for that better, so is our approach. We'll discuss traditional and alternative practices and therapies designed to improve and maintain the health of your best friends, your pets. With the ideas discussed on the show today, your pets could live longer and healthier lives. Now, here is Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Hi, I'm Kristen Carlson here with Dr. Jim Carlson. We're at Riverside Animal Clinic and Holistic Center, now located at the Healthy Pet Lifestyle Campus, uh, northwest of Chicago in McHenry, Illinois. Um, Dr. Carlson has been featured in many publications from Martha Stewart Living uh, to all the uh, other publications from Petco, Pet Coach, those kinds of things. So um, we have had about a 20-year career in holistic veterinary medicine and uh, just introducing that to uh, the rest of the world and our style and what Dr. Carlson does. Um, So we have a Facebook group for this. It's Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Today we're talking about uh, endocrine disruptors like BPA. BPA is like this chemical that's a noted endocrine disruptor, okay? So it can mimic and oppose some of today's hormones, modulate the hormones and how they're regulated in their processes. So a lot of people are aware, you know, don't drink out of hot water bottle. Right. Don't drink out of, you know, the one that's like been in the sun or something like that. Um, don't drink um, out of, you know, like just a plastic water bottle you pick up somewhere cheap. You have to have a BPA-free water bottle. Mm. Okay. But some of these water bottles um, and, you know, like even the food dishes and stuff that you're feeding your animal out of, apparently, according to drshell.com, the industry has actually tweaked the molecule from BPS, and it's now called BPS and BPF. They're really, really similar to BPA. So it's pretty annoying. I mean, you, you think you're doing the right thing by, hey, my kids have these BPA-free water bottles. My dog doesn't have it in his dog dish anymore, whatever. But the reality is they're like one step ahead of you, tweaking and tweaking things. So mm-hmm. you kind of like don't know. Right. It's, there's even a couple other compounds that were used as BPA replacements that are just as or more carcinogenic. So polyvinyl chloride, for example, is one of those. So you can actually say BPA free, but the product they're using is just as bad. Oh, um, in, in a different way. In a different way. Yeah. So, so I mean, PVC, is that what you're saying? PVC. Ew. Like, like how are they doing that? Like what's it in? Well, it's in your glasses, probably. Yeah, in glasses. Uh, but in the, they were talking about the, the canned food liner. Really? You know, just to say, okay, we, we have BPA-free canned liners, but we're also using another product that could be carcinogenic. Mm-hmm. And, and just altering that, you know, in researching this, too, is that there's very little information to say, well, what's, what's a substitute, you know, because you're kind of at their mercy who's going to make these cans, right? Yeah, so, absolutely. So the, the pet food companies have no control over that. They have to have packaging in, in right. cans and things right. like that. So And they can't always afford to reinvent the wheel. No, no. And, and uh, so it's hard to know. So kind of not fair to 
to some, and some of those, some of the pet food companies like you're getting pet food from are actually just small businesses. They're not, you know, massive corporations. Um, they're not people raking in money after money or anything like that. They're mm-hmm. just not, they're simply not. Some of them in Illinois has, has many small canneries right. or at least canneries that will um, be small over, you know, like a period, they'll even do small orders for you. So they're very family friendly, very small business friendly. Um, so they can't necessarily go out and figure out what they're going to do either. I mean, it's, it's just not cost effective and don't have resources to be able to do something like that. Right. And so if they're going to, if they're going to sell canned foods, you know, then like I said, they're going to be at the mercy of who makes those cans. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess the alternative is go to, you know, raw fed diets or, or go to freeze dried, you know, where there's going to be less risk there, but, you know, canned foods have been around for a long time and they're still very useful, you know, oh, yeah. provide a lot of moisture, especially for cats, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, our dog just recovered from surgery, Chorky did, um, when she had her eye removed and she needed, um, she just needed that canned food. And, you know, I mean, after you have your eye removed, obviously you're not going to want to crunch anything. Mm-hmm. So she had that and she really loves the canned um, Buffalo by Avengers. Yeah. She really, really likes that. So it's something I'm just going to continue to give her. I don't know about the BPA and that, but uh, she really does like it. And it's kind of something that she needs at this stage of her life. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, a study by uh, a study of, uh, involving teens and kids ages six to 19 years old said um, they were more likely obese because of BPA if they had high detectable levels of BPA. And in this study, 97% of kids had detectable levels in their system. So um, it's prevalent in, you know, your dog, I suppose, and your cats, because we feed canned food, could have those issues with their, um, you know, with, with BPA. Yeah, I mean, it and here we are, like, well. oh, walk them more and, and feed them differently and do this and do that. But the reality is that, it may not be anyone's fault. Right. And what it does to the body is that, you know, it's two ways. Most pets are spayed or neutered, right? Okay. So uh, the adrenal gland then takes over for the, either the testes or the ovaries in producing hormones. They're called androgens. Oh, really? And uh, with endocrine disruptors, such as BPA, for example, okay. Uh, it can really overwork the adrenal gland because it's really being stimulated by mm. that as well. And so it can lead to the potential for atypical Cushing's or hyperthyroidism in cats. Mm. And uh, we do, we actually see a lot of atypical Cushing's mm-hmm. here. Um, you know, like a lot of people aren't, maybe not every vet's willing to diagnose that, but mm-hmm. you do do that on right. a regular basis and you have all the remedies. It's kind of a long process. Um, you know, there's just a lot of different things, pretty simple in the end to treat though. So mm-hmm. a lot of different symptoms. We can talk about that in just a minute. But um, so, so what I'm taking away from this whole thing about the endocrine disruptor. So interesting that the adrenal glands are taking the brunt of the spay and neuter community. Mm-hmm. Right. So when you're spaying and neutering, you're taking those hormones and, and all of that reproduction away. So does that mean every animal should need adrenal support or what happens then? It's just stuck on the adrenal gland. Is that why so many dogs are acting up and 
I mean, do you know what I'm saying? That's a great question. I mean, it, early on in their life, you know, before their, I think the cutoff is five really, or really seven years of age, between five and seven years is where we start to see the problems. So early on, it's not such a big deal because they think the body can keep up. But over time, as the body ages, uh, you start to get interferences. And I think, at least the study I read about the long-term, short-term effects of BPA had limited problems, but long-term use. And that would mean those dogs, if they've been on dog foods for a period of time or can't dog food, dishes or, right. you know, getting bottled water, maybe. That's a pretty interesting connection because by that time they would have been exposed enough to, you know, to see the difference. Hmm. So is there some interference there? The endocrine system and not, it, we know the hormones, but there's not a, it's not well studied. It's still a lot of mystery, mm. you know, because there's so many hormones, but we only really address cortisol, thyroid, insulin as the main players, but there's others, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, some of the effects of spay and neuter are there for sure. Um, you know, especially with metabolism and energy and things like that. Um, the timing of spay and neuter uh, is important as well because, you know, they talk, initially we were spay and neutering very young, mm-hmm. especially female dogs for the risk of, of mammary tumors. Mm-hmm. But we realized over time is that there's still the effect of that, but at the same time, uh, waiting until they've maybe gone through a heat or two mm-hmm. in order to get those hormones. So we're not getting such an effect from the adrenals. Okay. I think is better yeah, as well. So we're talking a little bit about the timing of this. And there's a study that I came across by Zoe Costell, and she's at the University of Missouri. There were some other people involved in the study, but she seemed to be the main person. So um, it talked about short-term feeding of canned dog food. And they knew this dog food had BPA liner in it. And it says here that they did just two weeks with 14 dogs. And there were a couple of different changes, not just to the endocrine system, but to the fecal microbiome. They found concentrations in there. And then also their serum chemistry. They had some changes in that as well. So it's not just maybe, you know, just all in the endocrine system. You're seeing a change throughout the rest of the body. That's a microbiome. It's, it, there's uh, a, you know, a lot of studies on the, the microflora and how they work. And uh, interesting to know that it's considered almost the little brain because it's connect, it's, you know, communicating more with the main brain mm-hmm. than the brain connects, you know, communicates with it. And, and it's directly tied to adrenal function, thyroid function, you know, and insulin. So uh, if we're interrupting those little microbes in there, uh, we could also be producing problems or leaky gut issues or toxins or things like that can be absorbed. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, because of the lack of digestion with the microbiome, if that's off, we may be getting um, some leakage from the intestinal tract. Okay. So if you have a feline with hyperthyroidism, we do, we have choo-choo, um, and he hasn't always been on canned food, so wet food, he has not always been on that. But, you know, this is a really common endocrine disorder in an older cat. And five case control studies showed that more than 50% of wet food in the diet is associated with the threefold higher increase of developing hyperthyroidism. So, I mean, his, I suppose, you know, now he gets a lot of wet food because he's got a lot of supplements to take. Um, Before, I wouldn't say this was, you know, the case with him, but if you've been feeding that all along, you could, you know, see a change in your cat. 
we see a lot of feline hypothyroidism. Yeah, we do, especially after hyper. Hyper, yeah. Mm -hmm. Dogs get hypo, and there's um, probably some link there as well. But mm -hmm. the, the hyperthyroid cat, usually we'll see that over 13 years of age. Um, I don't think I've, I've, I've had a case of hyperthyroidism in, in a cat under 13. Uh, maybe some thyroid fluctuations there with other diseases, but never uh, after that. So it kind of gets back to just the length of time, mm -hmm. uh, you know, environmental exposure. Okay. All right. Um, toxicity, it says here um, they had some beagles. Um, they were fed dry foods um, containing a little bit of BPA, and it kind of progressed from there. The four diets were very well tolerated, no signs of toxicity, no BPA effects on body weight gain, food intake, retina, nothing. And the dogs in the highest dose groups had increased liver weight. So that can't be good. Liver goes right to the liver because you have to process everything through yeah. there. Liver has a big job. You know, it's, it, it also it can be affected by the adrenals. Uh, but at the same time, it, it's been said that the liver has about 1,500 functions in the body. And so detoxification is the main thing that it's doing. And so if it's getting bombarded, it's, it's definitely going to, um, you know, get overworked and start to swell. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, you know, when they, when they process those foods, they have like thermal processing that they do as well. So, you know, I mean, if you, if you've been told not to drink your water bottle because it's been in the sun, mm. be, you know, infused with BPA, then you're probably going to have the same thing when it comes to a canned food that's been heated. Right. Right. And, and it's interesting, you know, it, it kind of depends on when they're making the food, but a lot of times the food is put into the can sealed and then heated right to sterility mm -hmm. right and so right. you know it's cooked but then it's it, it's put together and it kind of makes sense because if you put hot food in there and seal it up you're going to get yeah. a lot of moisture and yeah. spoilers that way just like you wouldn't deal with a plastic food container or don't heat anything up in a plastic food container either right. um so explain you know one of the studies i read said also bpa was associated not only just with a heavier liver so the liver weighed more but also the adrenal glands weighed more as well. So can you kind of explain what the adrenal glands do and like why people kind of need to get that? Well, it's the main player as far as what they call physiology. So it's the communication lines, it's the metabolic changes that are going on, but it's really receiving sensory information from the brain and it produces cortisone as a hormone. And that cortisone circulates through the system and tells the other body organs, okay, what's going on? Do we do we relax? Do we run? Do we play? Do we get excited? Those things, do we digest? Do we slow it down? A lot of different uh, functions. Okay, that's what uh, the adrenal glands do. But then you run into trouble. So we've run into the a few things. What are the diseases of the adrenal glands? Well, the first one is called Addison's disease. And Addison's is that uh, the body's not producing enough cortisone. And uh, it's a, not a common disease, but it's typically seen in dogs that are under three years old. Mm -hmm. So it's a young dog disease. Um, and then uh, the second one is hyperadrenocorticism or Cushing's disease, in which the, uh, the there's two reasons for it. The pituitary can have a nodule uh, that sends too much release hormone to a normal adrenal gland or vice versa. There can be a nodule on the adrenal gland and it's just producing too much cortisone with normal stimulation. And so that's called Cushing's disease. 
Um, atypical Cushing's is that when you don't get the typical cortisone release into the urine, if you run a low dexamethasone test and it's normal, uh, then the working diagnosis, because we're seeing changes in blood work, is more atypical, especially with dogs who show those classic signs of increased appetite, mm-hmm. thirst, and urination, and non-diabetic. Oh, okay. So some of the, like some of you have come here with, it's weird symptoms with the atypical Cushing's disease. So it's kind of like not what you would think. Like you would expect like, I don't know, when I think of like endocrine type stuff, I expect like a greasy coat on the dog. I expect, you know, like it's drinking a ton or it's, it's peeing a ton or, you know, like whatever. I expect all those kinds of things, but I don't expect a dog to be licking the floor. Mm. That's a weird one, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so we've had some, some kind of interesting moments with the atypical. So floor licking, um, pacing at night. So sundowners, they just, they can't rest. Like we tell, we have people who just say, you know, my dog has been spinning and it's bad, like for an hour trying to get settled. It just can't do it. Mm-hmm. It's just freaking out. And, you know, during days, like super unsettled where, it's, you know, somebody had floor licking, somebody had, you know, just all kinds of weird behaviors. Um, so tell us a little bit, like fill us in on the weird behavior thing and how you treat that and what people should watch out for. Well, the, the main one is sundowners because the, um, you know, the pituitary is also regulating uh, day length mm-hmm. and it's a condition called somnolence. And so when the, when the sun starts going down, the brain should start slowing down. And when it's getting blocked, it can't. So it can't settle into sleep. By the time they get to sleep, maybe an hour or two later, they're not really getting good rest because now they've overworked the liver. They've overworked the adrenals. Uh, they've got some adrenaline flowing in there. And so it's, it's like having, uh, you know, trying to settle down after you watch a scary movie and then after fall asleep. you had like four shots of espresso. Right. Kind of, yeah. right. <laughs> like exactly. you're like that edgy, you know? Yeah. It's wait. not going to work. <laughs> no, and it's a vicious cycle because then they continue to do that. So um, this is really disruptive to the home. We have a lot of people who just like, they can't go to sleep because the dog can't go to sleep yeah. and the dog's like messing around and doing weird stuff. And it's hard to figure out. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're up. And then if they have urinary, uh, you know, increases, they have to get up in the night because usually if they wake up from sleep too, that's also a problem because once they finally get to sleep then they can't stay asleep, first thing they want to do when they wake up is I got to go to the bathroom. So the owner says, well, you know, then I have to get up, get out of bed, right. take them outside. Oh, three or four times a night, yeah. maybe more. Yeah. Yeah. This is, it's disruptive. And I think a lot of people, you know, aren't a lot of maybe professionals aren't quite educated yet on it. Um, it's a coming, growing thing in veterinary medicine. Yeah. I think that that would be the greatest area of study because it had most effect on the body. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about it, the, this, the little community bones with each system, that's how they communicate together. Mm-hmm. So if it's, if it's interrupted, you're going to get work the heart harder. You're going to work the liver harder, works the kidney, all the vital mm-hmm. organs. And everything's you know. just so stressed out. Yeah. And I think those dogs sometimes will come in with like some hair issues and kind of a dry brittle coat, that kind of thing. Yeah. They lose their yeah. undercoat because it, in Chinese medicine, they call it yin deficiency and uh, yin is cooling. So, uh, yin deficiency would be a lack of cooling effect. Oh. And so you'll, they'll lose the undercoat because metabolically their temperature is 
is burning up. You know, if you take their body temperature, it's still pretty normal. Yeah. But their body is just when I've got all this heat. And I don't know what to do. Don't know what to do with it. So (laughs) So let me lick the floor, panting, pants, move around. You know, get some energy off somewhere because they unfortunately can't sweat. They can only sweat through their pads. Uh, So they're going to seek out a cool surface to lay on. They're going to. drink excessively to cool off, you know, they're going to pant to blow off some heat there too as well. So surprisingly, there are some very natural ways of treating this. You don't even, as once you're diagnosed and their pet's diagnosed, you actually don't even really need to spend that much money. Some of the things you can actually just get online um, or just, you know, at the grocery store when you're going by. So uh, this is a surprisingly pretty easy thing to treat if you can get the diagnosis right in the first. Right. This is where you came up with the corn, right? Beef the, and corn together. This is like actually a pretty. So this is a this is an innovation you did. <laughs> yeah, it seems to help because it, you're taking, uh, you know, basically feeding it raw, but a small portion. So foods, so you have something that's not too hot, not too cold. Uh, but if you add corn, it does a very good job. Whole kernel corn. And even dogs who have grain allergies, if you're feeding it whole, you're not going to get the allergenic stimulation or as much. Um, What's the point of feeding it, though? Well, it drains damp. So it's going to start pulling off some of this water weight that they've retained, uh, especially with the excess androgens or excess cortisone. Okay. Um, It's just raw hamburger, some whole kernel corn. You stick it in the freezer in an ice cube tray and give an ice cube every day. Right. it's, it's that simple. And we've actually seen it work for some of the overweight pets. We have a model who, <laughs> a dog, <laughs> and she went on it so she could be at the right weight. <laughs> right. <laughs> she was getting a little chunky, so couldn't have that. And um, so <laughs> that little doggy ended up, um, you know, taking it all off with the raw beef and corn <laughs> for anyone else, but <laughs> so, unless you're in a typical Cushing's patient, but you've used it in a lot of ways. Yeah. And then um, so the treatments are super simple. Uh, one of the treatments is flaxseed hulls. Flaxseed hulls. Yeah. The covering of the flaxseed. What's that do? Well, it binds to cortisone and it binds to androgens as well. So you're going to get reduction uh, in, is in it sort of like scrub them out of your body or something? Well, it binds to it so it can it can lower the stimulation to oh. the other organ systems. Okay. All right. And melatonin? Melatonin at night, especially during dusk. Okay. And some dogs might need amitriptyline. Amitriptyline can help as well. Um, and amitriptyline, uh, what some it does... Some owners decline that. I'm not really sure why, but some owners are like, no, no, I'm not doing that. But it's really not... It's not a bad drug. No, and it gets, you know, especially those dogs are really having a hard time. You, you need to use maybe something more conventional and integrate that with the flaxseed yeah. holes and melatonin. Uh, also using uh, the Chinese prescription herbs, Romani 11, mm-hmm. uh, Ophiopogon formula, uh, liver happy. These are combinations of herbs that help with the indeficiency, also help with the adrenal stimulation and the pattern of the disease. It helps a lot with that. Okay. All right. All right. So if you've got a dog that's up all night and you're up all night and you're thinking it's a UTI, um, some people think it's, um, (laughs) what else do they think it is? There's UTI, there's behavior. um, 
weird. My dog is weird. What other things do you hear from people when they kind of think that maybe they have, well, well, they think they have an issue. They just don't know what. Yeah. Sometimes licking the air or muscle tremors. Um, sometimes my, my dog seems fat in the body, but the legs are getting skinny. Uh, you know, just the, the restlessness, the appetite is one of those big ones too. Cause if they have it really bad, they're not only going to eat their food ravenously, or say my pet has a really good appetite, mm-hmm. uh, but they also could pickers as well because they just can't get <laughs> enough food. They're food addicted. So um, they're just trying to. That would be every dog in our house. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah right. You know, um, it's interesting though, because um, you did some work. Uh, you've done some work on several pets. Well, you've done work on a lot of pets. This is a bit of a holistic diagnosis. Um, some of the pets that came here for that, you know, because people just don't know what else to do. Like, what am I going to do? I can't stay up all night with this dog. Um, And, you know, they want to help the dog, but they've already been down the specialist road. They've been to the veterinary centers. They've done all the stuff. Mm -hmm. And they're, you know, like one of them just said, ma'am, your dog is fat. That's your problem. You know, but indeed in the end, (laughs) there was a reason for the fat. And that was a part of this process, the atypical Cushing's. That's a good point because uh, a lot of times they say, well, my dog's been gaining weight and I just can't get it off. I've been cutting the diet. (laughs) That's my problem. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jim. (laughs) Emergency. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Black seed halls and other stuff. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) All right. Perfect. <laughs> All right. <laughs> anyway, okay, so um, we have some new products in our pet store. We're going to talk about um, some of the functional type products that we're bringing in. Um, they're pretty cool. One of them is this cute little aromatherapy diffuser jewelry. This one I got for all of our pet owners because <laughs> it's actually really cute. It has um, little paw prints on it, a shiny surface, and it comes with these little felt discs. And you stick it inside like a locket, and you can put essential oils on it. But we're getting one. Um, actually for dogs too, that you put on their collar and you put the essential oils in it. And then this little tag just floats around them all day. So if you were doing essential oils for that particular atypical Cushing's, what would you do? Well, lavender is one of those that work really well uh, as far as calming. Mm-hmm. Um, it also uh, can reduce the activity of the adrenals okay. uh, as well. So lavender is a really good one for that. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about all the other functional type treats and why they're being such a big deal in um, pet care. So we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device. 
including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice. To reach the program today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to holisticvetadvice at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Hi, I'm Kristen Carlson here with Dr. Jim Carlson at Versailles Animal Clinic in McHenry, Illinois. Um, today we're talking about uh, endocrine disruptors like BPA. And we actually have a question from our Holistic Vet Advice Facebook page. Um, it's actually a group and you can join it. Uh, we have a lot of people in this group who help each other out, help each other find information as far as holistic protocols are concerned and we'll step in and help you out too if you've got a problem. So we do have an owner today named Robin and she says, my dog has Cushing's from Brevecto. I've been detoxing with the zeolites, but he's looking worse, losing so much hair, and his shoulders are hunched. I started making colloidal silver to give him. He's on probiotics, milk thistle, glandular support, and bladder support. And we're having financial issues, so she can't spend a lot on this. What can we do to detox him better? So it sounds like maybe, you know, vet visits are not quite in the picture right now. So um, I really don't know if Cushing's disease is associated with Brevecto. I've actually not heard that before. No. I, I would have to, either. you know, look that up. So I'm not, you know, I don't, I really don't know how that works. Um, but uh, as far as the Cushing's goes, what do you think you could do to help these people out? Well, Cushing's comes out of, out of the blue because um, it's, it's a slow progressive onset and then sudden symptoms. So sometimes it could be a, a correlated with things that they've been given, such as burning like How long do you, how long does it kind of brew in there before you actually know it hits? I'd say almost two years it. out. Oh, really? You know, just a very slow change, but then... Can you start seeing that on blood work two years out? You can. Uh, I look at really two things, the ALP, which is alkaline phosphatase, mm-hmm. uh, the adrenal, liver, and gallbladder produce that, but the correlation is high ALKFOS, low T4. Okay. Okay. If the thyroid's pushing to the low normal, and that's anything under two, I'm flagging that because then it tells me that's adrenal. If it's liver or gallbladder, you don't necessarily see the thyroid change unless they're presenting sick. But okay. a lot of times they don't. So, you, you know, that's, that helps me to understand, okay, which one is the... Uh, Running a urine is all sample. It's very intensive to determine if the actual cortisol levels are high and the dog actually has Cushing's. The, uh, but to help this pet out, um, what we mentioned earlier in the show, uh, flaxseed holes okay. uh, from a company called Lignans for Life. I like mm-hmm. that one. And, and it's like Lignans, 
four, the number four, life.com. Yeah. I think, or yeah. .net, one or the other, you'll find it. <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, using that, you know, twice daily, uh, it's going to bind some of that excess cortisone and get that to drop. Uh, the one thing she hadn't used here was melatonin. And um, depending on the dog's weight, usually anywhere from one to five milligrams, depending on, uh, you know, a, the human dose. So if we have a small dog, it's about a fourth of the human dose. So maybe one or two. If we have a hundred pound dog, you know, maybe five to six milligrams to start with. And give that at dusk when the sun is starting to go down. That's the best time to give that because the pituitary is actually during sleep. Uh, melatonin can help to clean off a film that develops on the pituitary. Mm -hmm. So it cleans that up. So we're getting better sensory information, not scattered data. Uh, and then finally, if we want something specifically for detox, um, if we're having weight issues, we can do the corn and, and, uh, and beef mm -hmm. combination, three to one. Um, a really good detox is dandelion root. So what does that detox though? What do you talk, what, what system are you detoxing at this point? Both, it helps both the kidney and the liver. Okay. Okay, and it helps them detox and get rid of extra toxins that may be stored in the body, especially body fat is one of those areas where we see a lot of toxic storage. It helps mm -hmm. them move that along. So uh, dandelion root uh, extract, um, they're again a fourth of the dose if they're you know young dogs and up to a full human dose if they're a large breed dog. Okay. All right. Robin, I hope that helps you. And if anybody else has questions, you can just reach us at Holistic Fed Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. It's a Facebook group, so you have to join it. We also have a page, you know, just for um, our shows. So you can watch those there too. Um, but we're, I think, live streaming on um, the Holistic Fed Advice page anyway. So mm -hmm. um, anyway, so hopefully we can help you out if we can. And I hope that your dog feels better. And I hope things are going to go a lot better for you, Robin, and in uh, many different ways, I guess. So on uh, March 23rd is the day of the puppy. And there's kind of a big thing going on now with backyard breeders. You know, we've had um, a lot of puppies show up here at our Healthy Pet Lifestyle campus in McHenry. And um, a lot of them are using the indoor dog park, a lot of them coming in to take puppy training classes on Tuesdays. And we have um, Thursdays, we have like this, like, little puppy crew night where you can bring your puppy in and socialize. So it's a little social hour. Saturdays, we do the same thing. But anyway, um, what I've noticed and picked up on conversations from people is how hard it is to get a puppy because there's just nothing left to adopt after the whole um, pandemic adoption surge that went on. So people are kind of like in line waiting for the next puppy. I don't care what puppy it is. I just want the next one. So I've been waiting and waiting and waiting or passed over, you know, because someone else was waiting. And so they're having like a hard time getting them. So this has caused a surge apparently in backyard breeders, according to petbusiness.com, um, the article by Kelly Lindenow. Um, she says that um, the backyard breeders are going crazy since the pandemic and this, you know, dog demand has been very difficult. So she has some suggestions for you guys. Um, if you're really, really wanting a puppy, really, really bad, um, she says, you need to go visit the puppy. Find out where this dog was raised. Can you see the kennel? Can you see the cleanliness? Can you see what's actually going on at this place where your puppy is coming from? Because mm -hmm. some of those puppies come, if they haven't been taken care of or it's really dirty, they just aren't gonna do that well for you. And you're gonna have, 
you know, more bad appointments, more money spent. So uh, tell us just a little bit about the conditions that come from like a coccidiosis or other states of, of, you know, like maybe it's a farm where they're not cleaning up or sharing space with other types of animals. Yeah, especially, as you mentioned, you know, exposure to other animals, especially livestock, chickens, especially. Um, where the puppies are raised, how clean is that? Um, looking at the parents, how healthy were the parents? Um, do they have record of, you know, they've been breeding dogs a long time. You know, they say, well, I just started. Eh, that's maybe a flag. Mm-hmm. But if they've been breeding dogs 15, 20 years, then, you know, you're going to have a really, for the most part, a, a really good puppy. And um, if you can go see the facilities, do where the puppies are, does that look clean? I mean, puppies are dirty. You know, they, yeah. they play together, they, they poop everywhere and stuff like that. <laughs> but, stinky. You know, and so it's going to smell a little bit. But at the same time, do the puppies look healthy? They look, you know, they, they've There's a difference weight. between puppies who've been cared for and puppies who are just playing around in their own. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So. You know, and if they, if the parents are actually living in the house, most of the time, you know, breeders have them actually living in the house with them. You know where mm-hmm. you know they're not just caged in kennels, and uh, but at the same time, you know how do the kennels look? Do the parents look happy? Do they look healthy? Does everything look well? And you feel people out. So look for records of vaccination. Mm-hmm. Are there are these puppies vaccinated? Are the pets vaccinated? What's happening here? Um, who is their vet? Talk to them. I mean, I've mm-hmm. I've called before buying you know, dogs off the internet. I, well, okay, I did it. Um, it was a long time ago <laughs> and the dog lived with us for almost 20 years. So that was all right. Mm-hmm. Um, I did call the vet and find out if this particular puppy, which was a Sheltie and it was a very tiny one, you know, it was a good deal. And, and the, the vet told me, he's like, oh, I see her puppies all the time. And I even have some of her puppies. He had like four of them. So um, just kind of learning who there is, what they're willing to tell you, and then also any breeder affiliation. So are you involved in any kind of a national breeding club? Do you have, you know, any sense of what even that means? Are these dogs going to be registered? Mm-hmm. Are they not? You know, do they understand the process? So kind of self-educate a little bit. So you know this, and then you can kind of talk to them about whether or not, you know, this is, is a legitimate operation. So backyard breeders, like anybody can throw that together, you know, if they have the space, a basement, anywhere. So it's just something to watch out for. So, you know, we've talked before a couple of times this has happened and it just kind of keeps rearing its ugly head around here that people um, keep taking like your credentials, your name, your clinic logo, everything, Mm -hmm. putting it on a fake health certificate Mm -hmm. and then handing it to owners. And then owners are smart enough to call here and say, uh, did you see this animal? And I see you have a health certificate, you have these vaccines and, you know, they're all worded like real weird. And, right. and just like, okay, nobody, no doctor would write that. And so, you know, it's, it's like fake. It's not your signature, it's your name um, and that kind of thing. But also if anybody's ever asking you to pay by Western Union, which was the case and all these scams that you name keeps coming up in, um, don't do it. Only criminals use Western Union, which is what the police said when they came here um, <laughs> as far as that goes. So just, you know, you can even, if those people give you an address, you can even look on the internet and see if there even is an address. And in this case with you, 
there wasn't an address and nobody by that name had ever lived in that town. You can find out a lot of information on the internet about who you're dealing with. Right. Especially the signature margin there, you know, was it actually signed? If it was stamped that we, we never stamp. No. Unless it's like a rabies vaccination where, you know, it has my signature stamp on it. Right. But this looked like it was computerized. It so, was, yeah, yeah in so a it, font. It was an actual, not an actual signature, it was a font. So in the end, quality, cleanliness, frequency of advertising. If you keep seeing the same people over and over and over again, putting out ads that they have these cute little puppies, then that would be a big sign that they are a problem breeder. Yeah, and be patient, you know. Um, I mean, the right puppy will like, come around. It's just, sure. there is going to be a wait now. Yeah. But because we've done such a great job spaying and neutering everybody. Yeah. And I knew that would, I often thought about that early in my career. <laughs> Someday you know, this is going to happen. <laughs> what happens when there's, when we do finally catch, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, it, it does impact the shelters. Obviously, you got to have shelter puppies, but they did a wonderful job. So, uh, but unfortunately, Unfortunately, it threatens their bit a little bit, you know, yeah. become a supply. <laughs> right, right. You don't all need dogs if, uh, you know, there's not enough dogs, actually. It right. is actually, it's been coming, though, and everyone knew this was coming yeah. for quite a long time. We've been thinking about that for years. So, so good problem to have, I guess. Yeah. Right? I think so. People love their dogs more, so everyone wants more dogs, too. Not, you can't just have one, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like three We're down dogs. Two. You can't need just one. We yeah. have four now. It feels weird to go less than four. So um, anyway, we have some new functional products in our pet store and a lot of other pet stores have them as well. (laughs) And uh, this kind of started because everybody wanted to maybe not give a pill um, and just maybe feed out their pets um, needs through like their dog food. So Mm kind of starts there, kind of keeps moving into um, maybe like heart guard chews or pet chews that you can just feed your animal rather than having to try to pill them Mm because pilling animals is very difficult, especially if they're a cat. Mm -hmm. Um, So a few things that we have um, new here are our tear stain by Vet Classics helps eliminate tear stains. We have Petty Pet Omega DHA bars for skin and coat and brain and heart. They're made with wild Alaskan salmon oil and DHA gold. Um, CET has come out, uh, the Verbat company has come out with Veggie Dent Zen. So this is a tartar control chew. This is kind of a double whammy, a tartar control chew that has L-theanine. And this is supposed to provide a little bit of a calming effect to go with that tartar control chew. Um, our own um, hemp calming soft chews that we have here at Riverside uh, also the chewy version. So they're kind of tasty instead of having it be a pill. Mm-hmm. And um, again, the uh, veggie dent chews, um, regular sized uh, chews and just regular for tartar control. They're a lot more fun than, you know, getting your teeth brushed when you can just <laughs> chew, you like your medicine. And then also even, um, you know, like Brevecto, this is just what I brought in here, but all the flea and tick medications, the hardware medications come in a chewy or in a chewable tablet form. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's designed to make things easier to give and it's really the way of the future, but I think it kind of started with pet food products. So we're talking about um, pet foods that, that offer, and, and they're still very popular um, in the veterinary world. So take for instance, like Hills KD. Mm-hmm. Okay. So explain how that works. Cause we still prescribe, um, a lot of those diets that already have like the medicine in them. 
Right. And that's uh, prescription diets or that. Um, and we hope over time, just like any other medication, that they could eventually get off uh, these diets because, um, you know, medicine is designed to control disease. It's not necessarily sustainable. It's not necessarily holistic. Uh, but when the pet is, is coming in and they're symptomatic, we have to use products that are going to help them. And nutrition is one way to do that. Uh, the, the diets have been well-researched um, to treat the conditions that are on the labels. And they do a very good job. But over time, just like any other uh, you know, symptom or, or disease process, you want to use holistic methods to reduce their dependency. So hopefully they can get back onto a regular diet or go to a more holistic diet. Mm -hmm. uh, but they're still very, very good. And I prescribe them, you know, for early onset problems, um, especially early in the disease treatment. And, uh, and, and they work really well. Okay. Um, in Pet Business Magazine, uh, Pamela Melsen uh, reports that a lot of companies are looking to do add more functional treats to their lines because people, you know, obviously we're more around our pets through this whole pandemic and all mm -hmm. of that, but people, you know, want to maybe DIY it a little bit. So people are into stuff too. So yeah. why not, you know, that they're seeing, okay, these issues are coming out of my dog, or I could maybe prevent something that's going to be painful or expensive to treat later on. So maybe I should just give this a shot. And there's a lot of research you can do on your own. So right. DIYing it actually, you know, um, isn't a bad idea. You want to give it a try. Especially with treats. We always said, if you're going to treat them, treat them right. And so the healthiest treats, because they are food, we want to make sure that we count those calories. Uh, and you're finding that a lot of the treats are coming in calorie counts, uh, you know, down to less than 20 kilocalories per treat. Um, so you're not adding a lot of extra calories, but make sure you're counting the treats because uh, sometimes I've had owners say, well, I'm only feeding a cup a day. Well, how many treats? Well, about 75 a day. So, you know. Yeah. Counter, um, what is that called? Oh, Pet Nutrition Science. I love that one because yeah, it does build good. in those those treats for you. It has like all the dog foods on there. And I'm wondering if they have the treats, but you can kind of see it on the back of your treat product. So, mm -hmm. so lots of um, good stuff coming uh, people's way with um, kind of abundantly being able to treat things. Um, one of the big new um, kind of buzzwords in all of this is uh, collagen. So collagen we all kind of naturally lose the ability to make collagen. Humans lose it, especially when you're 40s, 50s, your face starts sagging. <laughs> it's kind of how you know you're maybe not making as much collagen and you start to feel kind of achy because it's really good for your joints, all your ligaments, all your tissues, right? Right. Okay, so collagen, I think, is going to be one of your next big buzzwords important because like you said the, the support structures of the joints um so tendons ligaments um here the nails are important uh and they start to get kind of chalky as the pets age um the fur gets a little more dull mm -hmm. you know and, and um the joints get a little saggy and things like that and uh, collagen can really help collagen supplementation it's like an oral dose of, of say, the uh, chondroprotectants that are oh, really? typically injectables, but uh, this is like uh, taking it orally. It's hmm, a very good product. So that sounds like a you know, pretty good one. Yeah. If you were going to try anything else, do you have any other big uh, 
items to really like to see in a functional treat? Well, probiotics uh, are important. Mm -hmm. So we got to make sure we got some gut health going as well. Immune support. And also maybe a little adrenal support as we've been talking about today, mm -hmm. you know, use something in there that's going to, um, especially like flaxseed holes, uh, that could also be helpful for adrenal support as well. Okay. So flaxseed holes would be a good one mm -hmm. to look for. Um, the omega-3 oils um, are great for skin, coat, brain health. Um, and I think the omega-3s are also good for joints, right? They are. Okay. So yeah, omega-3s are, are really good. We actually carry an omega-3 that's, it's just like you just pump it on there. So it's like an oil. Of course, the cats are crazy about it. It mm -hmm. doesn't really smell that bad, which I know cats love stinky stuff and so do dogs. Right. But um, so I, you know, the omega-3, it can be delivered in so many different ways, but it is a pretty valuable product too have around. Um, the calming chews and the calming treats, um, the one that we have here, we have two different versions of our Riverside version of these. And one of them does actually have melatonin in it. And you're starting to see that a lot in a lot of the calming um, treats. So um, the Mount Ara has like this bone, okay, and it's rubbery. And in the end, there's like two holes and it comes as peanut butter stuff mm -hmm. and you squeeze it into those holes and then your dog's like has melatonin is knocked out for a while turkey <laughs> <laughs> right. is just like bing, boom falls right over after uh, she she absolutely loves that chill zone um so you know in the in in the world of calming cheese like melatonin is coming up yeah that's a key one and um because it it, it follows along with our adrenal talk, but also um, it's just, you know, pets, if, if sometimes they don't sleep as well as we think they should. So sleeping habits is really important, just like it is for ourselves. So um, in melatonin helps with that. It's, it's a kind of a broad spectrum therapy. Helps with cognitive dysfunction yeah. too. And of course the CBD is, I think, the most popular product that we have ever carried um <laughs> in the history of, of the clinic um yeah and i mean and you know then you know some dogs do have to go on to prescription stuff after that but this is a good trial if owners want to give it a chance or want to kind of work with it a little bit yeah i like the word functional treats so you're not just giving them it's sort of like me eating a snickers you know not necessarily a functional treat it helps <laughs> with the hungers hunger pangs and stuff like that but if we're treating them with things that either they have the condition for mm -hmm. or we're trying to prevent over time, I think we'll see more functional treats mm -hmm. versus just treats. All right, good. All right. Um, well, we're glad you joined us today. Our group is Holistic Fed Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. That's on Facebook. Um, we are located at Riverside Animal Clinic in McHenry. Uh, we do tons of holistic medicine and second opinions here. So we would love to see you. We can help you online and we offer our custom holistic testing services available to anyone. We should do them for a lot of people across the U.S. So, yeah. So, um, Anyway, uh, also our full pet store. If you ever need any functional chews, we're getting pretty good at carrying stuff like that for you. So, so much everything's fun. tried and true in there, stuff we've all used to make sure it's, you know, good for your pet. So anyway, we're glad you joined us today and hope to see you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening this week to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice. Please join your hosts, Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson, again next Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 
and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now go make some time with your best friend. 